Well, it has been a little while since I've mentioned the crypto space in this podcast. So I wanted to do a bit of an episode where we could take a pulse check, if you will, of cryptocurrency because I've saved, I guess, a few various stories here and there that I wanted to touch on uh, because in large parts, crypto has been in a bit of a mess recently. And that's not to take away from the broader market declines, which have been very much the story of the year 2022. A global stock market indices are also down. Uh, you know, the likes of indices such as the NASDAQ, which features much of the US tech sector, is hurting really a bit more than the broader S&P 500 index. Here in Australia, our tech stocks are also down more relative to the broader market. And it kind of seems like our market would be hurting more than it is uh, if it wasn't for some of the stocks in sectors like the commodity sector, like our mining stocks, for example. Uh, but another space that enjoyed much fanfare and celebration and gains and rocket emojis over the past few years was crypto. And it has suffered uh, immensely in this new period of tightening money supply, inflation, and increasing interest rates. I think I've decided that the Super Bowl earlier in the year, so the start of 2022, represented the peak of crypto exuberance. Now, before I get a pile on, that's not technically correct. Crypto actually really peaked around November 2021. And to define what I mean when I say crypto, just again, to put caveats on what I'm saying, because I realize that there is many, many, many different coins uh, and I can't possibly cover them all. I'm, I'm kind of like talking about mainstream cryptocurrency like Bitcoin and Ethereum, for example. Uh, their prices peaked around the November 2021 period. Uh, for example, Bitcoin was trading at its highest uh, in the 60s, around the 67 to 68,000 US dollars for a single Bitcoin in and around that time period of November 2021. And Ethereum was in the high fours, kind of getting close to the 5,000 US dollar mark uh, around that same time. I guess as a bit of a reference point, Bitcoin right now, when I'm recording this podcast, uh, which is on the 31st of August, uh, it's closer to around 20,000 US dollars. So essentially shedding like two thirds of its value. Ethereum, pretty similar to around 1,500 US dollars right now. So it's had a big fall. And you know, crypto had its crazy run from kind of the point of time when COVID-19 hit the world in the first half of 2020, all the way up until the end of last year. But going back to why I referenced Super Bowl, which was in February 2022, so several months after November 2021, you know, as crypto had its crazy run from, you know, kind of the point in time where COVID-19 hit the world in the first half of 2020, all the way up until last year, not only was the price of Bitcoin and Ethereum and the likes increasing hundreds of percentage points from its previous price, but cryptocurrency itself, in terms of just even just the name and you know its household name value, was pushing its way into the mainstream, very much and clearly trying to legitimize itself in the public eye and amongst its financial market peers. A great example of this is the Los Angeles Lakers, their world-famous home ground, the Staples Center. They struck a naming rights deal with a Singapore-based crypto brokerage called Crypto.com. You might have heard of it. And it changed the Staples Center to the Crypto.com Arena. 
And this was a deal which reported by the Wall Street Journal on the 17th of November 2021 was valued at $700 million for 20 years of naming rights. So per year, that would equate to about $35 million just for the naming rights of this one uh, basketball arena, albeit a very famous basketball arena, but uh, just the naming rights for that arena. Now, I kind of took this information and, and a bit of a comparison idea from a YouTube channel that looks at European football, TIFO, which is affiliated with the sports website, magazine, whatever you want to call it, The Athletic, uh, now owned by the New York Times, actually. But they were doing a large story on another big famous recent naming rights deal in the world of football, European football, which is for Spanish football club Barcelona, uh, one of the most famous uh, soccer, football, whatever you want to call it, clubs in the world. It's Stadium Camp Nou or the New Camp is kind of just as famous as the Staples Center in the world. Uh, in terms of recognition, uh, Spotify recently struck a new sponsorship deal with the club. And part of that deal is that the stadium will now become the Spotify Camp Nou as discussed by TIFO. This is reported in the Spanish media to be worth around 5 million euros per year. So just for the naming rights of the stadium itself, but that's a far cry from the kind of money that Crypto.com are paying to rename the Staples Center. So the main reason I was saying that Super Bowl 2022 was the peak, in my opinion, in my personal opinion, was it just stood out as a clear example of the good times that were being had. Uh, these massive crypto brokerages and exchanges had experienced in the past couple of years and that turning point to where we are and where we've transitioned to now. You know, Super Bowl 2022, you know, one of the biggest global sporting events that's watched, you know, it's even watched by people that don't actually normally watch the NFL during the regular season. So it features, you know, one of the things that people talk about is the commercials and the amount of money spent on commercials by brands uh, just for the Super Bowl. And this year, something that kind of just stood out to me was there was all these ads from cryptocurrency companies which hadn't really been seen before. Um, Curb Your Enthusiasm actor and Seinfeld co-creator Larry David featured in a commercial for FTX Commercial, a company that built itself as the safe and easy way to buy and sell crypto and NFTs, non-fungible tokens. In the commercial, Larry is you know, very much in his trademark fashion uh, from shows like Curb Your Enthusiasm, shown to be quite cynical uh, and objecting to historical periods of change like the invention of the wheel or when music first went from being on a CD disc to becoming digital. And then it kind of ties that all into him rejecting the idea of this crypto app, but, you know, them saying like, don't be left behind or don't miss out like Larry David did, you know, because he was wrong with all these past historical points. Anyway, you get, you get the... the the gist of what I'm trying to say. We also had the aforementioned crypto.com, the one who took over the naming rights for the Staples Center. They had an ad which has kind of become a bit of a meme now. Uh, it features Matt Damon telling us that fortune favors the brave, uh, likening the act of investing in crypto to when the Wright brothers flew the very first plane or someone scaling Mount Everest or K2 for the very first time or astronauts going into space. Uh, a bit of a stretch, because you know, <laughs> I don't. When I, for full disclosure, I have about a thousand dollars worth of Ethereum, and I used my phone to buy that a thousand dollars worth of Ethereum 
on a, on a cryptocurrency exchange. Um, but when I did do that, I didn't think it was anything like the time that we first walked on the moon as a human race or when the Wright brothers flew the first plane. But I'm not here to dunk on celebrities taking money to do commercials. This is not a new phenomenon. Rather, today's episode, we're going to have a look at some of the fallout of this crypto crash as capital markets generally speaking. So not even just talking about crypto, but just capital markets generally speaking have taken a backward slide globally as inflation starts to bite and central banks begin to pull the reins in. You know, one of the first things that happens when you enter the kind of period that we find ourselves in right now, where there's a bit more uncertainty around future prospects, consumer sentiment takes a bit of a hit, there's economic downturn. In this case, right now, rising interest rates, as we mentioned, you know, acknowledging they're coming off a low base, but it's been a very long time that we, we being a developed Western country like Australia, where I am, or the United States, that we've been staring down the barrel of rates heading in an upward direction and not a downward direction. And as mentioned, it's been really even longer than that since we've stared down the barrel of meaningful inflation. Again, if anything, central banks around the world for quite a long time now have uh, wanted more inflation than we were getting. Uh, and as you know, now we're getting far too much of it. Uh, but something that happens during this period in I was about to say at this point in the cycle, but someone I love and respect and reference uh, from time to time, Howard Marks, will, I'm sure he wouldn't mind putting words in his mouth, but he would refer to it as a pendulum and not a cycle. The very brief and rushed summary of his analysis being that investors uh, in credit and lending and investor psychology swings from one extreme, say peak optimism, you know, nothing will bring us down kind of confidence all the way back to ultimate despair. Uh, and it's these swings in the pendulum that are important to understand for investors. So he'll refer to it as a pendulum and not a cycle. So what happens when, you know, taking a leaf from Howard Marks, the pendulum swims back from optimism and rising markets and ease of access to credit that we've enjoyed for quite a long time to the other end, uh, maybe not all the way, but at least swinging back the opposite way, is that those industries and businesses that rely on those periods of cheap and easy access to credit and booming markets, booming financial markets to help also fuel their growth, they tend to be the first ones to take a haircut on the way down. Now, this isn't just an issue that only impacts crypto companies, and it isn't the only thing that is impacting, say, a crypto startup right now, but it certainly would be playing a part. Now, when I say it doesn't just impact the crypto space, uh, it's because this really, over, broadly speaking, hits the overall venture capital space as investment firms start to pull money out that might have ordinarily been available and general credit availability starts to dry up. Now, this is not something that's potentially going to happen. It's actually already starting to happen or already happening rather. For example, on the 13th of July, 2022, Bloomberg reported that startup funding fell 23% in the second quarter of this year. And that was the largest drop in startup funding in a decade. And startup funding doesn't just come from, you know, random venture capital 
companies with some vague reference to nature in their company name, uh, some of the largest and most cashed up companies on earth, you know, think of some of the big tech giants like a Google and an Apple. They also divert plenty of money into small ventures, you know, especially based on R&D, startup ventures, you know, because they obviously see that there might be uh, value in this in the future from a product or service point of view that they might be able to incorporate in their own products. But when we enter an ec economic downturn and this uncertainty does hit, it becomes a moment to really review those ventures and programs that a company might be putting serious money into and weigh up if that really is the best place for resources when the short-term future looks a little uncertain. Now, for publicly traded companies, the other thorn in their side is that a fall in share prices makes it harder, well, I suppose also maybe just less efficient to raise fresh capital from investors. And so that is a somewhat loose segue into one of the biggest crypto exchanges uh, in the world and one of the most known ones that's been facing layoffs recently, and that's Coinbase. So in June this year, it was reported by CNBC that Coinbase would cut 18% of their full-time jobs, which was roughly about a fifth of their entire workforce. Uh, and at the time of that reporting, said to be 5,000 people strong. Uh, the CNBC article dated 14th of June went further and noted the following, quote, Coinbase, Coinbase had initially said it was pausing hiring, Two weeks later, the crypto giant announced that it was extending the freeze for the, quote, foreseeable future. Earlier this year, Coinbase had actually said it planned to add 2,000 jobs across product engineering and design. In terms of what I said before about share prices going down and the way that impacts companies raising fresh capital, as an example, in November 2021, shares in Coinbase or a single share in, in Coinbase on the NASDAQ would have cost you about $340 US per share. Uh, now in July this year, it's hit as low as the mid 40s per share. You know, and part of this story is not just tied to say falls in cryptocurrency prices themselves, but the amount of trading because you know these are brokerages or brokers who make their money off the trading back and forth at buying and selling. That activity uh, has fallen off a cliff compared to what it was before. Uh, people just aren't buying and selling as much as they did when prospects were a little rosier and the hype train was on, uh, or at least maybe there's a bit more selling than there was uh, than buying this year compared to previous years. And, and sadly and unfortunately, similar trends are actually hitting a bit closer to home here uh, where I live in Australia. In fact, there was a, an Australian-based crypto firm which news recently broke in the middle of August that they would also be laying off employees, and that was Brisbane-based crypto exchange SwiftX, it was announced here by the Australian Financial Review on the 18th of August that they'd be laying off an equivalent of about 21% of its workforce, uh, which equaled about 74 employees. And, you know, it's that sort of part that hits home the most because at the end of the day, whatever your opinions are on trading or cryptocurrency or, you know, buying and selling cryptocurrency like Bitcoin or Ethereum, and, you know, these are real people with real jobs, Um that are facing even more uncertainty now uh, at the moment. And switching back over the pond to the United States, a huge story that came out over the, the past couple months, and it's not something that's settled at all, it's actually still ongoing, but major crypto firm and specifically a crypto lender called Celsius or Celsius Network announced in mid-June that it was having to pause all customer withdrawals, swaps and transfers. Uh, this was reported by Bloomberg on June 13 that Celsius is, or uh, maybe was, is the better term. By the time I'm recording this podcast, 
quote, one of the biggest lenders in crypto, going to say the pause in uh, customers being able to withdraw and transfer around crypto came after weeks of speculation over its ability to make good on outsized returns it offered on certain of its product products rather, including yields as high as 17%. Uh, in a Forbes article from the 18th of July, it's noted that a mere two months ago, so two months from before the 18th of July, Celsius claimed that it had 1.7 million users and assets under management of $11.7 billion US. The company said that it uh, has made more than $8 billion in loans uh, and until recently had offered extremely high annual percentage yields with up to 17% on cryptocurrency deposits. I actually don't know the answer of how they were getting those yields. So either they're lending out cryptocurrency that you've deposited and so part of that interest that it's being of whoever it's being lent to is obviously being paid back to you as, as a return, I'm guessing, or they're investing that crypto or that money into something else to give you that return. Just generally speaking, if someone's offering you a product and they're saying they could guarantee you 17% returns, at the very minimum, raise an eyebrow in the future. But yeah, this is a product. I, I had a little bit of look on their website. This is a website. Oh, sorry. A, yeah, a service rather where you, I mean, you had the ability to do basic things like buy crypto, but you could also actually say if you had a crypto deposit in there, you could actually borrow against it. So like take a loan against that and the crypto was, um, I couldn't think of the word for ages, the security against that loan. So I guess in if you think about that from a stock market point of view, so with shares, the equivalent would be like a margin loan where you're, where you're putting up um, either shares or cash as, as collateral and you're using that to, to borrow more shares. But you think with cryptocurrency, given, given how prices fluctuate and how volatile it is, how much more dangerous that would be. A sad part about all this is that rumors of customers starting to be unable to use the app or getting locked out of their accounts, they actually started to swirl around uh, hours, even almost up to a day before the actual official announcement came out from the company about uh, them pausing withdrawals. And at that time, when the rumors were going around, the CEO was on Twitter hitting back at people directly talking about this. He said in one particular moment, he tweeted at someone talking about customers being able, unable rather, to withdraw. He said, Mike... I'm guessing the person's name was Mike. Do you even know one person who has a problem withdrawing from Celsius? Widespread FUD, which stands for fear, uncertainty, doubt, and misinformation. Goes on about some other stuff, but I mean, that's someone, I mean, who knows, right? But surely he knows, he knows at that point sort of where's the company's heading if merely hours later they're putting out official announcement that they are actually pausing withdrawals. Uh, because now we know in hindsight that really it was just a few hours after that. And then and then worse so than that, uh, about a month later in July, the company has now actually filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy in the Southern District of New York, which you'll be told if you go to their website now. So if you go to the Celsius website, the first pop-up that comes up is, that, uh, is about the, the fact that they've filed for bankruptcy. And actually, the Southern District of New York is actually a nice little segue into the next story, a very uh, different story, obviously keeping them very busy there at the court. But it was at the start of June this year when prosecutors 
charged a former OpenSea employee with the first ever NFT insider trading case. And so now if you want to know what NFTs are, you can actually go back a few episodes in this, well, a bit more than a few actually. It's episode 52 in this podcast. It was like an entire deep dive explanatory episode about what NFTs are. Now, if you haven't heard of OpenSea, I believe they're the biggest, but they're essentially this, you know, just think of it like an online marketplace where you can buy those NFTs if you were interested in them. So you can also you know, hold them and then and sell them and all that kind of stuff. So it's essentially like a, an exchange house for buying NFTs. And there was an article published on CNBC on the 1st of June saying, yeah, former OpenSea employee charged in the first ever NFT insider trading case. Now, the particular person in this instance was a product manager and this particular person had access to information or was even in charge of selecting what types of NFTs would be actually featured on the homepage of the website. Now, the company kept what would be featured on the website uh, confidential until it went live, it says here in the article. And I guess the the thing to note there is that it was always kind of like if, if an NFT was put on the homepage of this, this marketplace website called OpenSea, you know, generate a lot of buzz, you know, because that's the first thing people are going to see when they actually visit the website. So it's probably going to draw in a lot of people that didn't know about this particular one or uh, draw in a bit more activity and excitement. And they'd actually often, and CNBC have said here that it, that would translate to an actual jump in price of the NFT that's featured on the homepage. And so the indictment out of the, the Southern District of New York the, or the, the prosecutors out of that court have said is that this person, this product manager would secretly buy the NFT because he's a product manager. He knows what's going to go on the homepage. He would buy it before it would. It would then get launched on the, the, the OpenSea website front page. It would get a bunch of hype and activity around it. It would uh, spike in price and then he would sell. I, th- I don't know if it's actually a he or a she. I shouldn't even... Um, I shouldn't even assume that's terrible of me. But he or she, they, would allegedly sell them at profits of two to five times the initial purchase price. Apparently, he would do things, I said it again, he, she, they, they would cover their tracks, you know, conducted transactions with anonymous digital currency wallets, wallets and anonymous accounts on OpenSea itself. Um, but it, yeah, apparently, that wasn't enough to, I'm not sure what happened, whether it was a whistleblower or, or someone... Um, reported it but obviously someone found out at the end of the day but you know what the first thing I thought of when I read about the story which is you know crazy story uh, it's like it doesn't matter what it is you know whether you know as in like the new popular financial trading whatever you want to call it products ways to invest blah 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 comes along in this case obviously crypto trading and investing being something much more newer uh, on the scene than you know more traditional types of investing like investing in shares it doesn't matter that new <laughs> when new stuff comes around like the sa- same people are going to just do try and do the exact same things that uh, people got caught for and charged for and criminally indicted for on other investment vehicles so the exact same types of insider trading is just going to happen on the, the the new things that come around but anyway that was some of the interesting stories and you know, little bits of information 
from the crypto space. I think to be fair on the crypto space, maybe I'll circle back to them in a future episode. Hope you know maybe some things have become a little bit more positive in that arena. I can touch on some more positive stories, but that is all from the Market Pulse podcast on this episode. You are listening to episode 68. Thank you so much for tuning in. As I always say at this part of the podcast, would love you to tell your friends, love a bit of word of mouth marketing if you think it's worthwhile. Also, if you think it's worthwhile, uh, rate the uh, podcast on your relevant podcast app of choice, be that Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever you like to use. My name is Dion. Thanks again, as always, to listening to this episode and to the podcast. Have a good week. Cheers. Cheers.